welcome everybody. Um, thank you for uh, hanging tight if you did, and thank you for joining us now. Um, we had some technical difficulties. That's that's Zoom. That's that's remote meeting. That's what we have to deal with right now. But um, I am no less excited uh, to have the one, the only Rory Francis, uh, founder of Dania Lab and current president of the Zebrafish Husbandry Association with me today. Uh, welcome, Rory. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Ben. It's a pleasure to join you. Um, so yeah, we're, we're here today to talk about zebrafish husbandry, infrastructure, COVID-19, all of it. So um, with that, Rory, I'm going to go ahead and roll it over to you, and then we'll, we'll, we'll hit that 17-minute timer. So yeah, just sounds good. <laughs> if you want to give us a little bit of background and introduce yourself, and then we can we can get into it. Yeah. So um, thank you for the introduction, Ben. Uh, like you mentioned, my name is Rory Francis. I founded Danio Lab almost four years ago here in Boston, Massachusetts, to provide some new and different services to the zebrafish industry. Uh, I'm also president of the Zebrafish Husbandry Association for 2020, which is an exciting, fun group to join. Look us up if you can, and if you're into zebrafish husbandry. Um, and I have been working in this industry in some capacity for, I think, over 20 years now. I think my first role in some form of zebrafish was hand gluing some screen parts together, probably back in 1999, maybe 2000. <laughs> I'm not sure. It's all kind of a blur. Um, <laughs> during that time, I worked for another provider in the industry and we built and installed, I don't know, hundreds of different systems in that time for zebrafish housing. And um, it was a fun, fun time to travel around and meet all these different people and literally kind of go around the world setting up zebrafish systems. And then kind of transition to more of a customer service and product management type role after that. And then a few years I left the industry, uh, I was pretty, yeah, in San Diego. And I found myself on the East Coast uh, after a few years <laughs> and landed in Boston and was in um, ad agency role, uh, marketing cruises for retired uh, retirees, actually. So things like, you know, riverboats in France and stuff like that. And um, it kind of just started naturally. People found out I was in Boston and could come fix their systems. So um eventually kind of transitioned pretty organically and the next thing i knew you know here we are four years later and um all working from home uh <laughs> and uh mid these times you know with covid so it's it's uh, yeah that's wild, but it's it's cool that you've gotten <laughs> to see like and be an integral part of the like growth and adoption of of zebrafish as a model system around the world i think that's that's really cool yeah it was it's really kind of just lucky timing you know for me it was anything i had ever planned to do with my career i don't know i think when i was a kid i wanted to design sailboats and just be a sailboat racer full-time <laughs> um i don't who doesn't yeah exactly <laughs> i think that's still the goal to retire on i don't know maybe i should just go do that now but um, I'm still going to hang my hat on paleontology when I'm done doing whatever it is yeah. I'm doing for most of my career. Exactly. Um, so I'm going to go is... ahead and, and hit start on our timer here. I know we got started a little late, but now we're into the 17 minutes. Um, so I, I do want to ask, um, so you are working from home right now. Um, yep. 
Can you tell me a little bit about what, what has changed? How have you been impacted by COVID-19? What are your day-to-day -day operations look like now? And what does that look like moving forward? Yeah, so it's very interesting. Um, it's nothing I've ever experienced in my lifetime, ever. And I think a lot of us could probably agree with that. You know, um, it's, you know, I was pretty lucky that Daniel Lab has always been based for its, you know, the last four years in my home anyway. So I was always had a home office. And however, the majority of our work, you know, 90% of our business is service. So when it, that means is we're, you know, I'm primarily I'm on site and uh, I went from working on site, servicing, repairing, upgrading, you know, doing different things with systems, anywhere from four to six days a week and traveling, I, you know, 50, 70 something flights a year to nothing. <laughs> um, I shouldn't say nothing, but, you know, we still have a few clients that we're working here with in Boston, um, but it's changed. So, you know, as most of the zebrafish labs are designed, they're not designed for social distancing. Um, the aisles and rows are all very tight and there's a lot of pinch points of getting in and out of the facilities. And so, you know, with that said, a lot of the labs themselves have had to split shifts or do different things to help keep their people separated. And each institution's dealing with it on their own and state by state, it's different. City by city, it's different. And so we don't have any cohesive um, thing that I've seen across the nation, which I'm sure a lot of us have, have felt. And so, um, you know, I'm kind of gearing up actually that our maintenance activities will probably, you know, new, new normal might be we're second shift or third shift. So, you know, right now, the few labs that we're working on, you know, we're primarily going in after hours. Um, so I'm getting there, you know, depending on the client, five, six, you know, on a Monday through Friday, maybe I can get in on the weekend and do, you know, noon to five, or maybe the client, you know, the facility's out by one so we can get in in the afternoon. Um, but I'm really kind of mentally preparing that that's going to be the new normal for us is second shift and third shift activities. Um, and then I was talking with some institutions, uh, a little South of us down the Eastern seaboard this morning. And, you know, we're gearing up for some work that we've scheduled uh, for June and, you know, basically we figured out a plan to make that all happen and that it is essential and that we'd get the necessary waivers from the institutions um, so that we don't have to, you know, quarantine in place going down because it's just, I can't, you know, it's, it's hard to justify a one, a two day service visit and a different state and have to also do a 14 day quarantine. Um, you know, so it's, it's trying to figure that out and we're really small. We don't have a big corporate parent or a big, you know, to figure that out for us. It's, it's kind of all up on me to sort through all that stuff and figure out billing. Luckily, I think everyone's been a dream to work with as far as, you know, we're all in this together. Um, mm -hmm. and we're just going to take it bit by bit. And I think it's just been overly important to kind of overly communicate, um, you know, back and forth and have those discussions, um, you know, from the institutions and the staff there to myself and making sure that, um, you know, we're adhering to all their rules. Um, so it's kind of, you know, sanitize in and out of Ubers and masks all around and sanitize in and out of fish rooms and get their text, um, you know, hey, we're going into this fish room, um, you know, all clear. All right, we're done working in there. We're leaving that fish room. We're handing it back over to your staff. So, if, you know, a researcher or a husbandry person needs to get in there um, and doing different things like that. And 
every fish room is built different. So we can't even do <laughs> at the same institution, the same things for each fish room. Um, because, yeah. you know, we might be lucky enough to have a dedicated equipment room and I can go hide in there and do the things I need to do. Uh, the filtration system might be in the middle of the room and, you know, at the pinch point where, you know, if I'm working on something, no one else is going to be able to get by or in and out of there, um, you know, with safe social distancing. So it's trying to figure it all out and it all changes so fast and it's state by state. And, uh, you know, I'm sure as you've probably seen it's, it's everyone's scrambling and um, it's, it's tough. I think it's getting better. Plan, right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's um, it's, a, it's a different problem we're trying to so, you know kind of trying to solve just to to get in and do the work that you know we're supposed to do. So it's it's a new challenge. It's um, definitely impacted you know just getting projects. You know some projects we had in place for several months and they're just on hold indefinitely. Um, yeah, that's and that's different universities saying it's you know the expansion of a lab is not essential so that's it it's you can deliver the equipment and we'll figure out in five or six months if we're going to set it up or not you know so yeah that's i mean that's that's the answer in a lot of cases right it's just we have to wait and see we don't know we don't have the answers i do i do feel like the the zebra one advantage um that the zebrafish community may have over other research communities is that we are rather close-knit um and I feel like that's that's a big benefit when it comes to communication and sharing of resources and plans. You've been um, leading the Zebrafish Husbandry Association meetings on Friday. Um, if you guys haven't seen that, um, uh, you should go on over Join to us. Um, get that information. Um, if you want to contact us, contact Rory, whoever, we'll get you there. Um, but it's it's a uh, that's. I th I'm, I'm, I'm excited to finally participate this Friday. <laughs> yeah, no, we'd love to have everyone. Unfortunately, just there's some rules around. So this all kind of stored again, organically. Um, I think it's the last time I saw Chris Lawrence in person, you know, we were right before we were gearing up for kind of all these shutdowns. And he said, we should start, you know, we were just talking about how can we help people? And he's like, yeah, I'll just start a Zoom meeting, you know, on Fridays. And that's basically, it was, he's, set it up and uh, so we can't publicly share the link and the password but we can give it to everyone privately because they just have rules about sharing their zoom info um so we have that and we can't record the meetings but we do follow it up and we've had some great meetings i think six weeks now which is crazy to think that we've been doing this for six weeks um feels like groundhog day every day uh, <laughs> so but we've had anywhere I, I think on average 20 to 25 people join our zoom every friday and we're on there from 12 p.m eastern to 1 30 p.m eastern um again shoot ben an email shoot myself an email uh, or the zha check twitter uh, we'll put some more posts up about it this week but it's been a great thing just to see people uh, i was telling ben before i was supposed to be at a conference in the baltic states this week and so you know half all the travel that got canceled all the fun stuff you know the different you know all the conferences and meetings that we all look forward to going to and you know seeing all of our friends around the world and our colleagues and uh, that's just a real treat part of this job that you know now we're missing you know so that's like our enrichment for being down in the basement all the time um, yeah i feel like it's a, it's a little ironic that you know the people who have to think about enrichment for their fish are now worried about getting enrichment when they're talking about fish and seeing yeah <laughs> so it's um but it's been great you know we've had you know anywhere from 
probably half the group. I would say, I don't know. I shouldn't put any real numbers on it, you know, cause it kind of varies, but you know, we've had a good chunk of the group each Friday is I would say, you know, well-established industry experts that could speak on any variety of zebrafish husbandry topics um, at wealth. And a lot of people I've worked with for a long time. And then, you know, there's a lot of people that are still new to this industry or maybe don't necessarily have, you know, they come from a smaller institution and they're kind of trying to figure out, you know, what they're going to do and how best to save their lab or their fish room um, to, you know, unfortunately I heard of an incident where I think I forget where it was, but there was a, they lost all their animal care staff uh, temporarily due to, you know, they were out sick with, I don't know if it was COVID or other things, um, but they had no animal care staff left and they're like, all right, well, how am I going to feed my fish, you know, and how often do I need to feed my fish? So, you know, we've been lucky to have some of our other, some of my other ZHA colleagues have uh, been great. So I think pretty much most of us on the board have been on every Zoom call and some come from different bigger institutions where they've got some great, great plans put in place. So we've all been able to kind of share that freely. And I think like Ben said, the community is one of the best things we have, I think, especially for time like this where, you know, um, science Twitter has been like the only positive thing I feel like <laughs> that you can go look at on social media lately. Um, people helping each other out or even just joking or, you know, pictures of kids on Zoom, you know, different video calls, <laughs> you know, everyone's trying to figure out, you know, homeschooling and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's great to see the community come together. And it was something we didn't know if it was going to be helpful or not, but we're basically planning on continuing it on a rolling basis for the foreseeable future, at least through this. Um, you know, it's people that maybe we didn't necessarily get to see all the time or chat with, um, you know, they're at conferences and, you know, it's a lot of webinars coming up. And so, you know, I think that's one thing the ZHA is a great resource for is trying to kind of keep people up, up to speed with all the different things going on. Um, there's some other ALAS webinars. There's different ones from Philosa over in Europe and IZFS. That was another thing that we partnered up with uh, IZFS to get our ZHA members access to their webinars. So uh, that would be a great thing if we could kind of keep sharing between these different organizations and, you know, unite our groups together. Um, yeah, a great opportunity. I think that's a that's one one thing that I think has been, uh, I mean, it's definitely been a silver lining for me. And I hope it's something that sticks is this, you know, the webinars, the the informal meetings, the the sharing of resources, I think that's that's something that we need to have continue and that, you know, that helps tear down invisible barriers between groups and across the world. And we need, we need to be a cohesive community and, and yeah. accessible community. And I think there's a lot of positive, um, that's the right word. Sorry. I just added a, there's a, there's a lot of positive momentum. And I think there's a lot of people that are, you know, approaching this from that standpoint of, you know, how can we use this to drive the right kind of change in our industry? Um, it's, I hate to take advantage of a crisis, so to speak, but, you know, in a nutshell, that's kind of what it is really is, you know, we're dealing with this and, you know, we're finding there are some shortcomings. And I think once one thing Chris has said is there's any, there's any flaws or holes in your program, you found them going through this and, you know, supply chain um you know there's just so much that goes into running a, a fish facility it's uh, the biological system and the equipment required to maintain its life is intrinsically probably i would say the most complicated in all of animal welfare um i, I think you know just the level of 
sensors and monitoring and filtration devices that we have is, is, is much more complicated and much more um, intensive than you know a mouse room with just racks on a blow you know racks with blowers on top um so it's just a little well, it's, different it's a lot of it's a lot of um i feel like a lot of it is inherited experience and knowledge in the field i mean there's yep. there's a lot that is you know there's one person who's really good at something and that's the person you go to that facility for or somebody at a facility directs you to another facility to talk to them like there's you know and I, being able to share those resources is is super valuable yep and so that's been a good way to kind of share different books that people can um, you know there's some new books out on zebrafish husbandry there's there's not a lot that has come from you know some of the other typical lab animal science places so and that's where the zha actually came from it was originally the new england zebrafish husbandry association and they dropped the new england uh, to create the Zebrafish Husbandry Association, which is a truly international organization that was created out of a need for veterinary staff, um, fish biologists, and husbandry experts to kind of have an, you know, that area to exchange those ideas. And uh, then we basically latched on to the, the meeting that Aquaneering hosts at the World Aquaculture Society or Aquaculture America Conference every February or March, roughly. Um, to have, you know, which grew from a half day workshop that they started out 15 or 20 years ago um, to now partner up with the ZHA and have that be our own, you know, mini conference within a conference, so to speak, um, but separate kind of from everything else. So it's, 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 it exists in its own biosphere. But I think that's one thing that I would kind of hope out of all this is that we can really reach out to these other organizations and kind of unite together um, to help drive this forward. So, you know, there's people have, I've, or people shipments of food that have gone missing or different things and they're scrambling to figure out can i change my diet you know and it's you know there will be effects right. to research but fish will eat anything they'll get through and they'll be able to you know you'll get them back but it's um or things you know we haven't bred our fish in six weeks you know will they start breeding as soon as we open the doors for the lab <laughs> common question you know and people kind of itching to get back and do research and so there's there's um a lot of moving parts and pieces that you kind of never really um, realize until now that you know you kind of take a step back and you can kind of see it all from a more of a helicopter standpoint and um well, it's, it's, and there, there there are certainly some 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 skeletons in the the infrastructure closet that have been uh, sort of thrust into the spotlight and that's i mean it's good but you know we we do need to address it yeah I would say, you know, one thing that's probably, I would say probably should be a primary focus is diet. You know, we don't have an open source standardized diet for these fish. And so if you're feeding one brand and you switch to another brand because that's out, you know, there's not necessarily comparable. They might look comparable. They could be made in different countries, different regions. Ingredients get changed country by country because, you know, we have different uh, agriculture department, uh, you know, requirements. In some basic things like that, and that could actually really drive a lot of the other mechanical um, implications. You know, just if and what a diet is, what kind of waste does it create? Is there slime left on a tank, or does it necessitate you know necessitate ch changes more frequently than before, or the other way around? Um, the filter chemistry. 
exactly you know looking at ammonia nitrite nitrate levels in your system um you know if you overfeed hyperfeed your fish this is, you know and i mean create extra flock in your system that you then have to go in and manually get rid of so there's a lot of different implications that um be interesting to you know i'd love to test it all i don't have the time or the resources to do all that work unfortunately uh it's a, a huge huge undertaking i think um yeah, and I and I think there's there are definitely some efforts. I know um, when I was in Utah, there were some some you know dietary studies that they were they were undertaking here at the University of Oregon, um, and then being able to I mean it's one thing to 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 do those, but then to actually disseminate the findings too and share them and and you know, act on them. And I think you know I th I think it's easy as a researcher, especially if you have a really great core facility, to say. Well, I don't care about food. I just need fish that lay well. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, but you're. I think that we're we're growing to appreciate, but we still we still don't acknowledge very readily that diet and husbandry. Oop, there's our time. Um, diet and husbandry are that's that is a direct impact on your science. That's a direct impact on your behavior, on your gene expression, on on all of these things. And if we want to address reproducibility and other things like this, we have to start at a very basic fundamental level of how do we take care of these animals? Yep. No, it's very, I think it's interesting to just kind of see what the groups are doing in Europe a little bit different. I think they're a little ahead of us and I don't know if I should bite my tongue or not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I think, there's a strong desire for the husbandry to be kind of integral to, you know, animal care is integral to research, I think. And I think, you know, from what I've seen, you have, um, in the US, I've seen every different type of program you can imagine, large core facilities, centralized infrastructure, excellent staff with tons of fish experience on hand to everything in between and opposite, you know, so it's, um, rack in somebody's basement that attacked yeah you know so <laughs> um, to help kind of just streamline you know if and what we could you know it's definitely you know a mission of the zha especially to help um, educate and share that information um it's funny i get questions all the time people are very very worried about not feeding their fish three two three four times a day um but the data has been available for eight years in a paper that was published um, here in Boston uh, that shows the fish can be fed once a day and it's fine. And there was no dramatic effect of, you know, egg laying behavior or anything like that. So it's yeah. funny to see these same questions being asked and the data has been available for eight years. <laughs> so, um, so like I said, you know, if we could unite together and have, you know, some valuable baselines, I think that would be a huge benefit to the community and it could help us, you know, work with the commercial side of different vendors for feeds, filters, you know, things like that. Um, because it's, it's, everything's a little bit different. Um, well, and, and now is the time to do it, right? Yep. It's, you know. Absolutely. Uh, I, you know, we're, we're, we're over time here. Um, but um, I just want to say thank you so much for, for joining me today and thank you all for, for riding along with us here. I think this is definitely warranting of another episode, but I'll, 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 I'll talk to the rest of the crew about that. But um, 
we could um, focus in on some narrower topics and maybe bring in another <laughs> expert or two as well. You know, yeah, maybe maybe we table. can start a, a side seventeen minutes in science. Yep. <laughs> um, but yes, thank you, um, everybody. Be sure to um, to check out the Zebrafish Husbandry Association meetings on Friday. Um, and until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>